Welcome everybody to the second in our Future of Insurance series with Industry Influencers. I am really excited today to have Rob Galbraith, um, who is the author of the most recently uh, released book, The End of Insurance as We Know It, How Millennials, InsureTech, and Venture Capital Will Disrupt the Ecosystem. Um, Rob and I have known each other um, um, about a couple of years now and, and really have uh, really engaged with each other over the last year. And um, he's got some really interesting insights uh, from his view uh, about the insurance industry and uh, uh, where we're going to see the, the future of insurance. So, Rob, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Denise. It was uh, great to see you a couple of weeks ago in Kansas City and um, always good to talk for sure. Absolutely. So Rob, why don't you give a little bit of background on yourself and why you decided to write that book? Yeah, great question. So uh, I'm currently the Director of Innovation at AF Group. Uh, AF stands for Accident Fund. Uh, it was previously the State Fund of Michigan and privatized uh, in the 70s and 80s. And so uh, we do business in a lot of different states now. We've acquired a few different companies. And so uh, just at $1.8 billion in premium and maybe over $2 million at the end of this year. Who knows? Um, most of that is workers' compensation, but uh, actively looking at uh, growing and diversifying. So we certainly want to uh, do things like use wearables and other kind of innovative technology in the workers' comp space, uh, as well as a look to get into some other lines of business and, and some specialty lines, as, as, as well as others. So um, really kind of exciting uh, time. Um, so it's a, a bit of a, a new uh, uh, change for me uh, going to the commercial side and working primarily through our wonderful independent agents uh, from my previous company, USAA, where I was the director of underwriting research uh, for 20 years. Uh, most of that was in the underwriting uh, space. And, um, you know, I had the privilege of leading uh, a team the last five or six years that was really focused on uh, underwriting in catastrophe-prone areas. So hurricanes, wildfires, earthquakes, hailstorms, lava flows, even you name it. And um, that's really where I kind of got into the lots innovation. of those happening every day, uh, every every year. <laughs> uh, lots of those, absolutely. Lots of those. So I have lots of friends that are meteorologists and structural engineers. <laughs> and whatnot, so uh, kind of an eclectic mix of uh, friends that uh, I've been able to to meet, and I've had some really cool experiences, Denise. So um, I've been able to uh, actually chase hailstorms. So. Uh, uh, for science, uh, to working with the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety to uh, really kind of understand. A, a lot of people think hail is kind of like the ice cubes made in your freezer, but it's actually very different than that. And so they were out trying to uh, collect uh, hailstorms and make some observations so that they could be, build realistic databases and ultimately kind of recreate that in a lab environment to test different building materials. And uh, so, uh, you know, what's funny about hail is that it melts, right, over time. So we actually didn't have uh, um, some really good. Uh, uh, observations on hail. People use steel balls and other things to test it. So, uh, so that was a, a, a tremendous experience. I've been in a helicopter with the San Diego Fire Department, kind of you know, listening from them on how, where some of their biggest wildfire threats were. Um, I've been, you know, along with uh, claims ride-alongs, post uh, uh, fires, post hurricanes. So, uh, yeah, just in a little bit of this and that. It's been. Uh, kind of an interesting career. And I, I tell people I am not personally very interesting, uh, but I've had some really cool experiences in insurance. Yeah, well, I haven't had quite the same experiences as you, but I did have that the, the hail experience a couple of years ago uh, with a massive hailstorm that hit um, Omaha, Nebraska. And um, I had a shake roof and completely destroyed my roof. 
cause um, some, um, you know, moisture to come down through the ceiling, uh, rain come down through it, but it also uh, broke the seals at all of my Pella windows. So I ended up getting a completely new roof, all new windows. I had damage to my deck. I mean, it was, it was one of those that it was, it was pretty devastating. It was the first time I'd ever had one. And so I'm, I'm with you. It's a, it's, it's kind of an interesting phenomena and you really don't appreciate it until you experience it firsthand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it can be obviously very, very costly, particularly when you get siding and gutters and, and particularly windows involved. So, so, so I, um, yeah. you know, the past two, three years, um, again, you know, I've been a, uh, an industry veteran for over 20 years and really love insurance. I love the social uh, good. Um, definitely some frustration points, right, with uh, how convoluted yeah. it can be, all the, the, the terms that we kind of uh, know but don't necessarily love, right? We, we understand that you kind of uh, learn that it's a uh, special animal, right? I always tell people, is insurance even a product or service? I mean, it's really hard to tell that kind of basic distinction because it has elements of, of, of both. And um, so I had met with a lot of um, new startups and technology companies that are coming to the market with just some really innovative offerings to, to solve some of these uh, really intractable pain points that I, I call in the book, the seven fatal flaws of insurance. And um, I just left meetings and thinking, I've just seen a glimpse of the future, and I've seen what insurance is going to look like 10 years from now. And, uh, you know, it happened once or twice. It was kind of neat. But then it started happening on a regular occurrence. And that's what really led me to uh, to write the book. I was just trying to gather a lot of my thoughts. It was kind of a very personal exercise. And, you know, as I kind of dug deeper, I, I thought that, uh, you know, if I'm struggling to figure all this out and kind of, uh, you know, where all this technology is heading and what it means for the insurance industry, I think a lot of other folks in my shoes um, would find value in this as well. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that when InsureTech first came on the scene about four years ago, I mean, it was kind of part it was part of fintech, but it really kind of made its own uh, its own presence. About four years ago, I think everybody just kind of stood back and went, "Whoa, what does this all mean?" And in some cases, it really kind of frightened a number of, of traditional insurers. They were trying to figure out what was the implication of this, and some thought, "Oh, this too shall pass." And it has not passed. It's just kind of grown stronger, but it's morphed. And I think it's morphed from just a lot of independent startups, whether they were technology or data providers or full stack insurers like Eliminate or some um, MGA startups like Atrove. Um, it's really kind of um, morphed and evolved. And I think that there's a lot of lessons that both incumbent insurers have, have learned from InsureTechs, but InsureTechs have learned from incumbents. What's your view on that? And what do you think each side has learned in this process that is really kind of helping to collectively push us forward? Great question, Denise. So there, there's no doubt um, that originally, um, I think, uh, you know, kind of outside entrepreneurs, technologists, others looked at the insurance industry and um, saw a pretty rich um, area that uh, you know had not been you know, disrupted. I know that word is is uh, kind of overused today. Um, I had listened to a podcast from Daniel Schreiber, who's a co-founder of uh, Lemonade, where he said, you know, what attracted him as somebody that was not kind of inherently in the insurance market to uh, the insurance industry was three things. Uh, a, it was uh, measured in trillions of dollars, not billions. 
B, that it was kind of unloved by consumers. You know, there's a lot of uh, brand awareness uh, and yeah. brand loyalty, uh, or you might have a loyalty to your, to your agent, right? So there are certainly uh, relationships that uh, form trust, but um, it doesn't mean that everyone loves that, right? Insurance is kind of a set it and forget it. It's the type of thing that you, you do because you want to do something else. You get it because you want to drive the car off the dealer's lot, or you do it because you want to close on your home or, or start your business. Um, so it isn't something that, you know, everyone has this kind of uh, relationship as you might with Apple or Amazon or some of those names that we know very well. And then the third thing, and I love this phrase, he said that it was unspoiled by innovation. And so that is very true, right? A lot of traditional companies had just, you know, that's the way we've always done it. Digitizing that, putting that you know, paper form in a PDF form, but it still meant that somebody had to print it off. Yeah. And, it out and, and, and scan it in and so you've got it as an image instead of a, a paper file so you can you know retire your filing cabinets but that but that was really you know kind of it um and so i, I tell a story in the book about a gentleman that um uh, I call uh, Victor Vincent. Now I've forgotten the name, but anyway, he came to uh, one of our uh, CBCU underwriter conferences. This is a professional society for underwriters. I've been involved for many years. It's a great group, uh, but it's, you know, kind of for insiders, it's sleepy. It, it, it probably wouldn't be that attractive to somebody from Silicon Valley. So to meet somebody from, from the Valley and kind of say, oh, you know, you're different. Why are you here? And he said, well, I want to learn about your industry. Oh, that's great. You know, we're happy to, to share about insurance. Uh, why are you so interested in insurance? Well, you know, we're going to put you all out of business this time next year. Oh, nice <laughs> to meet you too. Um, and so I'm happy to report that hasn't happened. You know, this is several years ago in 2019, still gainfully employed in the insurance industry as of, you know, many of my, my friends and colleagues. Um, but so that was kind of InsureTech 1.0, right? This whole idea of I'm going to come in and I'm going to just disrupt you and, you know, kind of replace, you know, this, this slow, sleepy giants that have been around for, for decades. And I think quickly, um, you know, what a lot of those folks came in and recognized was that, you know, insurance is different, right? I know every industry says that, but, you know, we have this complicated uh, mix of being a financial instrument and a legal contract. And like I said, it's a, both a product and a service. And it's, it's kind of, you know, not just a, uh, a buy it. And if you don't like it, you return it and get something else. You know, you buy that insurance policy and you find out your loss isn't covered. It doesn't mean that you can return it and say, oh, I'm going to get one that did cover that loss. Well, no, that, that time has passed, right? Um, and so, um, I think now we're in uh, what you know, a lot of folks call InsurTech 2.0, right? Where partnership is really the name of the game. And I talk about this in the book. There was a uh, McKinsey survey um, of startups and they kind of said, hey, you know, what, what is your value proposition? Are you trying to, you know, create efficiency in the market? Are you trying to enable you know, new products and services uh, with traditional carriers? Are you looking to fundamentally disrupt And Less than 10% uh, said they were looking to fundamentally disrupt the current order, you know, 90, over 90% said they wanted to somehow uh, enable the value chain, you know, kind of make it better. And so partnership is really uh, the name of the game. I think it remains to be seen, you know, where this goes in the future. I actually do think there's going to be an InsurTech 3.0 um, in which you actually have a little bit of a mixed modal. I think some partnerships are going to be successful and hopefully a few are, you know, wildly successful. And so those um, kind of, you know, startups and traditional incumbents coming together will um, absolutely, you know, uh, provide new products, new services, better service, um, more efficiencies, better user experiences. But I also think, you know, there are going to be some startups that um, maybe those uh, partnerships actually don't uh, go beyond kind of pilot or proof of concept phase. And maybe there's some sort of frustration they don't work out. But, you know, the startups are gaining an education and insurance along the way. And so if they leave those partnerships that maybe aren't as successful, um, they'll have gained a ton of knowledge uh, from those failures. And so I think they'll be mm -hmm. able to 
uh, come back kind of with new value and a new appreciation for insurance. And so I think you'll end up seeing uh, kind of a mix of both uh, in the future. And I think that's a good thing for consumers. Uh, they'll ultimately benefit from kind of, uh, you know, yeah. how, how it happens, right? Kind of uh, improvements in the insurance world. Yeah, you know, when you talked about that, insurance isn't really a loved um, industry by, you know, customers, uh, consumers, um, whether it's an individual or a business. You know, we did some research um, a couple of years ago. I know you and I've talked about this, but, you know, it really struck me from a net promoter score standpoint when we when we kind of calculated it, um, uh, insurance compared to other industries. Insurance was even below your cable company and your uh, mobile phone company, which, you know, we all know how, how we hate cable companies <laughs> and how the service is so poor there. And to have insurance even worse than that, it was, it was a real eye-opener, I think, for a lot of people to recognize that we can do a net promoter score of our own customers that we're working with. But when you compare it to other um, businesses that consumers are um, digitally engaging with, we really don't stack up at all. Um, and that really kind of leads me into the next question um, is you talk about remixing insurance as a fully digital risk transfer product. Um, that's a mouthful. Um, what does that mean? And, and who do you see kind of leading that effort? Because I just recently had this conversation uh, with an insurer and uh, they were talking about, oh, they want to do a comparison of, you know, um, their digital capabilities to their competitors. And I said, well, digital is a pretty broad definition. It can be as simple as, um, for some, it may be just a portal or maybe a mobile type of um, capability, or it's completely, you know, starting something from the ground up from a digital that when you design the product and you price the product and you deliver the product and you service the product, everything is very digital. And that's a different kind of definition. And I said, to be honest, um, you really have to do that from an outside-in perspective, thinking about it in terms of the customer, not in terms of the internal operation of a company and where your competitors are today because your customers are expecting something completely different in the future. So kind of talk about that. What do you think, um, what do you mean by that fully digital risk transfer product? Yeah, so I think it's... Um it's recognizing that even though insurance is, is over 300 years old, right, and has a tremendous um, history um, and is, you know, a, a wildly successful product, if you think about how long it's lasted, if you look at um, the top 10 uh, PNC carriers, for example, and I'm sure it's true on the life side as well, you know, the youngest uh, property and casualty company in the top 10 was founded in 1937. So that's, you know, 82 years ago. And my dad is 84 years old. So I think about my dad and I think about, you know, kind of him being the, the representation of the youngest company, you know, half of them were, were formed in the 1800s at some point. So uh, certainly uh, the longevity um, of insurance companies is, is uh, just, you know, speaks to kind of the stability um, of the companies and the success of the product. Having said that, uh, you're absolutely right. You know, in, in today's world, if you were to design a product, um, you could certainly do worse than insurance in terms of digitally capabilities. And I use Tesla as kind of a, a counterexample, right? So if you're Elon Musk and you're trying to create, you know, electric vehicles um, that are, you know, sports cars and have, you know, autonomous functionality with them and whatnot, you know, you've got to set up the Gigafactory in the desert of Nevada, right, to uh, spend over a billion dollars to compete with Ford or Toyota or whatnot. And there's a lot of physical infrastructure. There's lots of supply chains and logistics that are involved, all sorts of uh, companies 
countries that are making different components and parts. Um, it's very complica complicated, complex. You know, by contrast, insurance doesn't have any of those kind of supply chains. Yes, there are you know, many companies that kind of enable the, the insurance value chains. So there's some of that kind of logistics, but it's, it's, it's not the same as kind of setting up a, a, a gigafactory. Uh, I do think um, your point about digital being an overly broad term is exactly spot on. I think in the past, people were really focused on, oh, we need to digitally enable, but they kind of um, took existing process and tried to, to put them on the web or create a mobile app out of them. And so people are kind of disappointed with some of those results because it's like, well, we have an app and nobody's downloaded it. Well, you know, what, what is the compelling reason for them to go out and download your app? You know, it's not the type of thing that they're going to be interacting with on a, a daily basis, right? It's not going to be Candy Crush or something like that. So I think insurers are really now um, spending a lot more time on user-centered design. Uh, I was just with uh, Josh Levine uh, from Cake and Arrow uh, in New York City this week. And what Cake and Arrow, uh, I love their story because they started this kind of an e-commerce design, human-centered design company, building a lot of websites in the 2000s. Yeah. And they got hired by uh, a large insurer to actually help them with a back-end process that they were having a hard time getting employees to uh, to complete. And so they came in and they interviewed the employees and they, they, they just took a whole different mindset. And so they created interfaces that uh, were much more intuitive and completely kind of re-engineered this back-end process. And it was you know, wildly successful. And so they recognized that in the insurance industry, there was a lot of capability or a lot of uh, opportunity um, to improve improve both uh, customer, right, external customers, but also kind of internal employee processes. And so, you know, the vast majority of their business now is on the insurance side. And they said that, you know, he said, I, I talk to C-suite folks all the time that really love us when we kind of come in, make a workshop. They, they're really starting to kind of appreciate this kind of outside-in thinking and, and starting with the perspective of the user, not just surveying them and asking what they want, but actually doing kind of, you know, ethnographic studies and kind of, you know, how are they interacting with our products and where do we see that they're getting stuck and how can we overcome those obstacles yeah I like Josh a lot um, I've gotten to know him really well in the Cake and Arrow folks uh, through SCIA they've been involved with that from the very beginning I've been in a number of workshops you know relative to that um, and they do have a different perspective and what we both kind of uh, talk about is that um, they obviously come from a consumer and a customer perspective that's some of the research that we've done that we've been trying to build into our products like digital first is really taking it from that customer perspective and it's a completely different mindset. You're absolutely right. 